Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and crime. I'm Sloan, your bartender for today. And I'm Trish, your crime tender for today. So grab a cocktail, buckle up for the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot! Beep beep! Welcome back to another cocktail recipe with your bartender Sloan. Mm -hmm. Today we are making a white gummy bear. So I found this drink on TikTok. I believe Trish actually sent it to me. Yeah, I did. (laughs) I stumbled upon it, saved it, however we came across it. This is originally a shot recipe, but you could easily make it into a drink, which is exactly what I did. What you need to make this is raspberry vodka, peach schnapps, sour mix margarita mix whatever you call it there's very little difference between the two and then sprite so you're going to take one and a half ounces of your raspberry vodka about a half ounce of peach schnapps three ounces of the sour mix shake that together if you're doing a shot i would only do like one to two ounces of the sour mix i did three ounces because i did mine as a drink shake that up pour it over ice top it with sprite and enjoy i was skeptical about this drink (laughs) but it's actually really freaking good it would be such a good shot too so this is definitely a great one to keep in your back pocket for parties and whatnot you can find this drink recipe card on our instagram we will also have a reel and a tiktok posted of us making this drink so if you are interested check those out follow us on those social medias tequila she wrote across the board We also post these episodes every Tuesday and Friday, so make sure that you subscribe or come back to see us again, hear more about drinks and crimes. We also now have Patreon up, so if you want some bonus content, some extra episodes and all that, you can find it over there on Patreon. We start as low as $2 and we work our way up from there. Yes, for $2 more a month, you can get extra of us, (laughs) one bonus episode a month, and ad-free episodes once the ads start going up. I don't know when they start. (laughs) But we hope you enjoy. We hope you buckle up, get your cocktail ready for this wild ride on the Hot Mess Express. Hello, I'm Trish, your crime tender for today. And today I'm doing a missing persons case that is actually a fairly recent one. So it's one that really, if you're from this area or you've, you're like, you know anything. Yeah. You could really actually help. And as I get through this, you'll see, you can actually maybe benefit from it too. Um, this is the missing person case of Mary Johnson Davis. So a little bit about Mary Johnson. Davis is her middle name, not her middle name, her maiden name. Okay. And Johnson's like her married name. So she goes by both. So depending on what articles you read on it, depends on what last name they use. She was born August 31st, 1981. She was born in the Washington State area. So we're talking. (laughs) Pacific Northwest. Yes, Pacific Northwest. Um, She 
is listed as she is of Native American slash Alaskan Native descent. So she has black hair, brown eyes. Gorgeous. Yes. Gorgeous. She is also set, like they say, one of her distinguishing markers is that she has a sunburst type tattoo on her upper right arm. In the months before she disappeared, her sister said she wasn't acting herself, which I feel like at the time that, like, you maybe are seeing someone before, like, they go missing, like, yeah, you might be like, they're acting a little weird, but, like, it's never usually enough for you to be like, do I need to worry? Yes. It's a fine line to walk. Yes. So, Mary was married to... I don't think I ever found his name. They never list him. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe Mr. it's Johnson. just because he's he is considered a person of interest. But okay. they never listed the husband's name in any of the articles and news stuff I've read. But she was married to him. And she was for a while living with her sister, Jerry Davis. Um, whose home was in Sedona, Woolley. Sounds right to me. <laughs> I was like, I mean, I look at it and that's the only way I can think to like. Sounds right to me. Say it. So Sedona, Woolley, Washington. And then one day she, like her and her husband, apparently just abruptly moved to a little town called Marysville, which is about 40 hours. Like, 40 miles away from where her sister lived. Okay. Didn't get a reason why, whatnot, so. It was just kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing from her sister's point of view. I was like, where did I leave off? Rarely would um, she answer her sister's phone calls, and she even barely answered, like, her texts and that, so... Like she said, she was acting very strange. She went from seeing her and talking to her every day to not knowing yes what where she was, what she was doing. Yes. And then like one day out of the blue, Mary's estranged husband, so apparently after some time or even while living with like the sister, they became estranged. Estranged. Mm-hmm. But he called the sister and said he hadn't seen his wife in weeks. <laughs> I know. I see your crime junkie brain going guilty. Two guilty. Plus two. <laughs> two plus two. The last time anyone recalls seeing Mary was on November 25th of 2020. Mary is slash was because you don't know if she is right. still missing or if she is... Um, We can only draw assumptions at this point. But she's an enrolled citizen of... I had to look up how to say this word. And every way I found says it like this. So if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. (laughs) Tulalip Mm -hmm. Tribes, which is like an Indian reserve in Washington. Mm -hmm. The last time she was seen was... When she was 39 years old, she was walking on a road in western Washington on her way to a friend's house in a nearby town. 
clearly she never made it to her friend's house. Based on cell phone records and people who saw Mary that day, police and everybody have a rough idea of what, like, the series of events happened. Mm -hmm. At the time of the disappearance, obviously her and her husband were not in a good place. So... He's the first suspect. Yes. He's the prime suspect. (laughs) So, like, he doesn't play too much of a role in, like, this whole storyline, but he does have a small role in it. She was staying mostly with friends during this time. She only returned home to check her mail and shower and, like, basically get new clothes, stuff like that, before she would leave again. So, she was not staying in... Like, they're home together. So it's not a huge red flag that he hasn't seen her. Yes. So it was like, it wasn't, I guess, too uncommon for them not to see each other. But still, (laughs) you waited a while before you're like, hey, I haven't seen her. (laughs) On November 24th. A day before she was last seen, police say her husband dropped her off with a suitcase at a friend's house on the Tulalip Reservation. Mary stayed there overnight and in the morning planned to go stay with with a couple she knew from Oso, which is about 30 miles away. So that's apparently the friend's so house. I was about to say, is that the friend's house she was walking yes. to? 30 miles away? A friend... Uh, she was staying with was supposed to give her a ride to a nearby church where somebody else was supposed to come and take her to Oso. Oh, man. I didn't have a car for a while and it was horrible. Yeah. So, I mean, I get it. You don't have transportation, so you really have to kind of rely on where people can get you. As I drove into this, I was like, I mean, I feel like these friends were some shitty people, but at the same time, like, I also get it. Because, I mean, we have friends and life happens. You can't always drop everything to help people out. But, yeah. This friend was supposed to take her to a church for then somebody else to pick her up and take her to this other friend's house. Um, At the same time, Mary was staying on the reservation. Another man was staying at that same house she was at. And he also needed a ride. So I don't, it does, it never said if he was also going to Oso or if he was just trying to get a ride there to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But they apparently both needed a ride to the same place. The friend ended up backing out of giving Mary a ride and this other man a ride to this church. And then Mary was like, well, I gotta get to this church. So she just left the house and started walking. And around 1.30... I mean, she was meeting people. She had a timeline. She had plans. Just because she wasn't getting a ride doesn't mean she wasn't going to go. So Mary left to walk to the church around 1.30. The other man also walked, like, with her, I guess, from the house. Where did I leave? Oh, there we are. Keep losing my spot. (laughs) A third man who... The man that was supposed to be giving Mary a ride from the church... Ended up passing her on the way to the church mm-hmm. on Fair, not Fair, Fire Trail Road, which is like the last known place she was seen. Right. 
So the man that was supposed to be giving her a ride from the church pastor, he claimed he only had room for one passenger, so he just kept on going. So he basically declined to give her a ride. Even though he had already said he was going to. Yes. So she has now had two people back out from her. So who knows if she still continued on to the church or if she decided to just turn around and go back. Yes. Like I said, she never made it to the couple's house in Oso. But before she went missing, she did leave the couple a voicemail. In this voicemail is... I couldn't find a recording anywhere, so I just Mm -hmm. had to go based off of what different articles said. They said in the voicemail she had a sense of desperation in her voice. She urged the couple to pick up, but she just had to leave a voicemail. Right. She made another phone call around 2.30, and the woman who picked up this phone call said she was too busy to speak to her. Don't you know she feels like shit? Right? I was going to say, I would hate to be her because now <laughs> you have somebody that's missing. And Not that you... that's completely on her either. No. But also, I'm sure my, that you my con- Yes, my conscience would be like, I, I possibly could have helped this woman. Yeah. Police believe that someone picked up Mary along the way because cell phone records about an hour after her last call have her phone connected to a tower in the Oso area. But then the phone went offline and for a little while before, like, so it went offline a little while after it was last, like, detected in Oso. And then it connected again to a tower in the Marysville Tulalip area. I was Mm -hmm. like, sorry. The way it looks and the way you're supposed to pronounce it. According to what I found, two different things. So the Tulalip area. Her phone apparently went to where she was supposed to go, but then also returned to where she was. Right. Her phone remained in the Marysville area until the morning, and then it was just powered off. So they don't know if it died, if someone was like, oh no. (laughs) I can be traced through this. Yes. The man who was supposed to give Mary a ride from the church said he hadn't seen or heard from her since the 25th. And the man that was walking with her said they eventually went their separate ways and he never heard from her again. So both men are saying they're not involved Suspect in any way. number two, in my opinion. Yes. On December 9th. So this was back in the tw- on November 25th this happened. Mm-hmm. So, December 9th is when her estranged husband finally reported her missing. Right. Like, two and a half weeks later. Yes. I was trying to do math in my head. Right. And it does not look pretty, guys. So, yeah. So, like I said, that just, to me, makes the husband look so guilty. I don't care if you're estranged. But she's still coming to your house and, like, using your, like, getting her clothes and whatnot. And You're saying for two and a half weeks. <laughs> You didn't find it fishy that she was yes. missing. So that's pretty much the last like known movements of her mm-hmm. and everything. So everything else I have following this is just pretty much where ha- the case has proget- progressed, progressed <laughs> from here. So 
in the one article I found, like, in 10, like, when that article was written, it had been 10 months since Mm -hmm. this all happened. Right. Like, she was poured missing everything. And at this point, she's been missing for, like, 13 months in real time. So, it's not too far off. But in that 10 months since she was reported missing, very little movement happened in the case. That honestly does not surprise me because, I mean, just one, the amount of Native American women that go missing in yes. this country and generally law enforcement does not care. Yes. The, the public does not really care. You, we don't take people of color in the media as well as we do white people. Like, that's yes, just kind of a known fact. It's... Yeah, so I'll get into it. But yeah, like, the fact that there's little movement really is not shocking, but it is also like, wow. <laughs> Just nothing. Just how fucked up society nothing. is. Yes. According to police, this remains an open and active case. So once again, if anybody that ever listens to this has any information, please share it. The police have identified many persons of interest, but they have yet to make any arrests. Me too, buddy. Me too. <laughs> I have I've been listening for five minutes and I have one. <laughs> this is my side gig, guys. I'm a professional. <laughs> Where did I, there we are. The lead detective of this case is uh, David... <laughs> I was every time I did the like I came across his name, it just made me think of Monster Zeke. David Solly. Solly. <laughs> I'm gonna say that's how you say it. It's S A L L E. I don't care. Right? That's what we're calling him. But David Solly. Uh he said because no body has been found, it's hard to find probable cause necessary for certain search warrants. Or maybe the search warrants would help you get the body. Yes. Uh, Also, because it took weeks to report her missing, any surveillance footage or other clues to track her would have been overwritten or (sighs) gone by this point. So again, that traces back to the husband. Did he figure this out himself? That, hey, probably any signs of her is going to wipe me out. If I wait long enough. Yes. We are in 2021. Why do we not have better technology? Yeah, you would think. Um, and because they don't know if she disappeared on or off the reservation, that's a whole nother yeah. debacle there. Because it's unclear if they can leverage federal grand jury subpoena powers or not. So it's like... If it happened on the reservation, that's where it gets a little yeah. sticky because usually the reservation it likes to take own. care of their own stuff yep. and keep everybody else out. And, I mean, no shade on the reservation. It's just... No, that's their right. It's, that's their right. And they have they've every been, right not to trust the white man. Yes, they have been screwed over by, by federal government in that for so, like, many years that I completely understand. Solly said, 
<laughs> and this is where I was like, David, me and you gonna fight. <laughs> we don't know if she was kidnapped, held against her will, or if she was murdered. It could be argued maybe she wandered off in the woods and got lost. Maybe she overdosed and passed away somewhere in a remote area. We don't know where she is but at. what clues do you have that she was using drugs? Because I didn't hear that in anything that we yeah. just heard. Maybe she's hiding. Maybe she's in treatment. There are a lot of maybes. Yeah, that's why you investigate this stuff. <laughs> to make the maybes known. Yeah. As far as, like, the drugs thing goes, um... One of her sisters, it was only one of the sisters, and one of the articles I found claimed that she did kind of have a past history with, like, this, but also, like I said, it was just the one sister. Right. The one never said anything about it, so. Who's to say what's true and what's yes. not? So, advocates for missing and murdered indigenous women say such challenges and uncertainty uncertainties come off as excuses which completely agree how many missing persons cases when it's either black people your native, native americans, americans like any brown like people it doesn't matter color. like anybody that is not white they yes. always jump to drugs or the fact that they did something that caused them to go missing. Or maybe something bad just happened to this person. Yes. Who was going about their business. A lot of cases of missing and indigenous women and children have to go through the maze of jurisdiction. Yeah, I can't speak today. Maze of jurisdiction. Prosecutors and police have to establish whether authority rests in the federal government, the state, or the tribe. So that ends up leading to a whole new like thing. Because yeah. usually by the time they figure out who it is, it is long past when this person went missing. So yeah. any chance of if they were alive when they were discovered missing. They're probably not. Is maybe zero at this point. Which goes back to our justice system and everything just being so fucked up the yep. fact that it could take months for these people to even figure out who's supposed to be searching yeah another piece of the puzzle as to why so many cases of missing indigenous women are unsolved is that many like i said many are blamed for their own disappearances so they're often assumed to be runaways, have a substance abuse problem, or have done something that caused them to go missing or be killed. Victim blaming. <laughs> to the max. <laughs> yes. Like, women already get blamed for it so much. Ain't that the truth. <laughs> but the fact that you're indigenous or, you know, not white. Strike two. Her family has not given up hope of eventually finding her, whether that's alive or not. Obviously, they hope she is alive somewhere. Right. They love the fact that people are sharing her missing persons poster with her face on it, which we will definitely be posting. To our socials. Yes. Because once again, if we can just get the word out there, like... Maybe there is a hope that one of you knows something. Yes. So, 
if you don't know it and you share it, maybe someone does sees it. It just helps the word of mouth. We all saw what happened with Gabby Petito. We all talked about it. We all shared it. And major headway was made in such a short amount of time with that case because of the word of mouth. So if we could just keep that sort of uh, we get that energy for everything, and that's the thing like that they bring up is the fact that you know Gabby Petito that case was basically solved in just a matter of like a month or two. It was a month or less. yeah. Yeah. And this is going on almost a year and there's almost no headway. And they say, you know, I hate, I don't like to bring race into it, but they're like, it's because she's a white woman. And and I mean, it really is. (laughs) A lot of it is. Yes, she is a white woman. So more like if we could keep that fire, that passion, that energy towards all humans (laughs) like so much good could come yes so like i said the family loves the fact that you know people are sharing her missing persons poster with her face on it they especially love that it has her face because the more people see it they might see her and might be like might jog you look familiar yes might even jog a memory they ask everyone to be on the lookout for a 5'6", 115-pound woman with black hair and brown eyes. This is where I found... So, like, they list her sunburst tattoo on her upper right arm. But something that's not listed on, like, the FBI page, like, missing persons poster that I found very odd that they don't mention is she apparently has a beauty mark on the back of her neck. Hmm. I feel like that's not a common place for a beauty mark. Yeah. So why would you not put that on a missing persons poster? It's a careless mistake, in my opinion. Yeah. They ask if you have any tips to reach out to your local law enforcement, the Seattle FBI. Um, I was able to find a number for the Seattle FBI. It's 206-662-0460. Or the Tulalip PD. So, like I said, they have no idea if she is still in the Washington area. They don't know if she has left the state. So, really... We just ask that you take a look at her beautiful face. And if you do know something, let somebody know. Yes. Um, They have found some success in a billboard that they have posted on Interstate 5. And local media has also, like, put her missing persons thing on news and that. So they have garnered some credible tips off of that. But it's still not enough to make a lot of headway. But I'm guessing it's helped lead them to some persons of interest. Right. I could have helped them with that, too. Right. (laughs) In September of 2021... The FBI did announce that it would offer a $10,000 reward for information about her disappearance. Mm-hmm. And then just recently, the Tulalip tribe committed $50,000 on top of the FBI's $10,000 for information. So once again, you, you, have you info. could possibly get $60,000 for some info that is helpful. 
the family and advocates welcome this move, but they're also asking why it took so long for, like, the FBI to even offer a cash reward. Yeah. Obviously, the tribe would have had to have raised some money, but the FBI is a federal government thing. Yeah. They could have offered that from day one. Yes. The family urges people to not be afraid to tell the police, even if it's the smallest bit of information, it can possibly help. And I mean, if you are a true crime person, you follow missing persons and everything like that, or even like you just have listened to enough true crime, you know that sometimes the smallest little piece can of break inf- the case. Yes. Even if you think it is so in- insignificant, it can be that one final piece that leads them to somebody. And you could get that $60,000, man. <laughs> Send us a bottle of tequila if you get it. Right. <laughs> so, in Washington State, they have created a new task force called the Washington State Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and People Task Force. Uh, it's only maybe about four months old, but... Hey, it's finally there. Right. Finally. They're really hopeful that maybe it can help in this case and other cases of missing in indigenous people. Because I don't have the stats. I could probably find them real quick. But, like, one of the articles I read, it was, like, 15,000 people in just, like, the northwest, like, yeah. area are, like, indigenous mm-hmm. people. So it's just insane how many of them just go missing and you don't hear about it. Yeah. But yet. This is like, this is a hidden passion of mine. So I'm not at all shocked by any of this, but it it is absolutely something that happens. And if you aren't aware, we hope to help you become more aware and bring you more stories like these. Yeah. And the family is very like, Like I said, they're very adamant that she is still alive. They're just now afraid that because so many months have gone by, is she in the state? Has she been, like, sex trafficked or anything like that? So, like I said, they are very hopeful that she is alive. And and like we said, if you know anything, you maybe know someone that knows something, definitely, definitely encourage them to talk to the police. Because... This is just a woman that, as her one sister said, it's like she just went, like, vanished into thin air. She was seen by so many people, and then suddenly she was seen by no one. It's one that I could have definitely have probably gone on for, but a lot of the articles just kept repeating the same stuff. So, and like I said, it is very new, so I'm sure there's stuff that is being withheld. And like I said, they never mention any of the persons of interest. We are assuming, as the crime junkies we are, that the husband is probably one of them. I would assume maybe the driver from the church might be one of them. And the dude she was walking with. Yes. So, but yeah. That was, a, that was a great case. Yep. Welcome back to your last call. It's Slow and Your Bartender. And today I'm just bringing you two crazy news stories of dumbasses. Oh boy. Just call me Red Foreman because these are say, some dumbasses. I'll say. Are we, are we talking Florida man or? Uh, 
Oh man, that's the second story. We got a Florida man for the second story. Yes, I love Florida man. We always, yes, I think that should be a steady thing because there are always crazy Florida man stories. But both story titles give away the story. So I'm just going to read these articles to you. The first one is from newser.com and it says, Police in Delaware say a man who robbed a Washington bank on Saturday didn't keep the cash for long after fleeing the Wells Fargo branch. He paused to make a deposit in the ATM outside. You fucking dumbass. Because he was also a Wells Fargo <laughs> customer. Oh, no. <laughs> You're going to whip out your ATM card and make a deposit. You dumbass. <laughs> he didn't even go to another location. He made the deposit at the same location he robbed. You might as well have just taken it and said, well, while I'm here, can you deposit this into my account? You should have just handed her a bank slip. And like, <laughs> so, it's, so it says that he handed a note over telling the, ba the banker that there was a robbery taking place and the 25-year-old woman gave him an undisclosed amount of cash. Like, you should have just handed her a deposit slip <laughs> with, the with the note saying... This is a holdup, and while you, while we're here, just put it in my account. Oh my I want that in checking, please. I got a bill that's about to draft. Oh, my God. I, I can't afford your late fee. I hate people. <laughs> I just, I, I can't imagine the stupidity. This man was also 44 <laughs> years old. He is 44 years old. So, like, it was not a dumb 20-year-old. No, this was a grown-ass man. Oh. Who... Walked in with a note, robbed a bank, and walked out and made a deposit. Jeez. The balls. So our next story is a Florida man story. So and he sad. was between a rock and a hard place. A Florida man was busted with bags of cocaine and meth wrapped around his penis. Then he tried to wiggle his way out of the arrest by claiming the packages were not his. Sir, <laughs> they're around. <laughs> they're around your penis. Like... <laughs> who put them there if it wasn't you <laughs> there's no way out of that no way but patrick florence 34 years old was a passenger in a car that was pulled over around 4 a.m in clearwater florida the car's driver was traveling without his lights on and was later arrested for a dui and marijuana possession oh god cops also found a gun under florence's seat which is when they which is when they searched him and that's whenever they found the narcotics on his person. Uh, that was not his. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> and thank you, Florida man, because without you, we might never have a laugh. Uh, <laughs> I just... <laughs> I don't know which story is better, to be honest. I don't know. I, the audacity of the first one to be like, I'm going to rob this bank, but let me deposit it in my account first. They are both dumbasses. Uh, and then, yeah. Florida both dumbasses. Florida man with the, uh, those aren't my drugs. Sure, they're, they're taped on me. <laughs> but they're not mine. But I don't own them. No, not at all. Anyways. That was all a whole crazy episode. Thank you for joining us today. If you aren't following on us on our socials, please follow us. We have our Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, all tequila she wrote across the board. Uh, we have our email, which is tequila. Yeah. Tequila she wrote at gmail.com. And we've what got else? Patreon in the works. So feel yes. free to check us out there. Thanks for coming along for this ride on the hot. We, mess Express. Also, we do have forgotten. 
We do release our episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Subscribe, rate us. You can also now rate us on Spotify. So rate us on Spotify, Apple. We think you can do it on Google. I don't know. Don't really use that, but everything helps. Share us with your friends, family. Anybody that you think would love a cocktail and a true crime story. Yes. Thanks for joining us on this ride for the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. (laughs) Beep beep. (laughs) Beep.